Welcome to the Cyber Nation Uncensored Podcast. We welcome all Chumbas, Edge Runners, Vault Dwellers, Wastelanders, Spice Traders, and Space Folders. Thanks for joining us. Please give us a great review and also be sure to join us on both YouTube and Twitch. We'd love to see you on a live stream. Thanks again. See you soon. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to another installment of Tales from the Forlorn Dopes. I am your host, Cyber Smiley. And I am Wisdom000. Ah, greetings programs. We are so happy to have everybody here with us listening in today. Yes. Yeah, um, so our, our normal beginning rant, I don't think there's too much uh, cyberpunkish media going on. Um, looks like Dark House, yeah. House kind of is no longer doing Cyberpunk, but who knows, maybe with the expansion. I also haven't heard any news about the expansion coming, um, or when it's coming. Um, yeah, just slight rumblings in the background. There's uh, no word from CDPR about any kind of schedule for release about anything not the uh not the update not the up, not the dlc so yeah just... um so i don't know if i re if i talked about this on on our chat but there is a kind of cyberpunkish show uh on netflix called young e it's a movie from korea um, I want to say maybe. I'm, my age, we're getting old. Also, I had COVID last year, or not last year. I did have COVID last year. I had <laughs> COVID last week, too, so my mind might be going. Not that COVID is, a, <laughs> is the cause, but I'm sure it did not help the state of my mental capacity. But yeah, Youngie is... is I, I thought thought it was a very good uh, cyberpunk story. Um, there was another one I also recently watched, which was with uh, George Clooney. Uh, 
what was it? Oh, really? Yeah, Midnight Sky. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah mm. I know it's a little older, but um, basically, it's an end of the world. I mean, it, it's kind of cyberpunk in that the, there was, you know, a mission. I forget if there was a mission. I think it was a mission to Mars. Um, and they're coming back to a world that kind of no longer exists. And George Clooney's pot. I don't. I don't think he's the last human to exist on the planet, but he's definitely one of the last ones in not a safe place. I. And I don't remember exactly what the cause was, but basically Earth's atmosphere was becoming toxic and uh, George Clooney was up in the Antarctic uh, at a base and basically living the rest of his days because I believe he had cancer and was going to die anyway. So he just said, oh, I'll sit here. And then the whole dialogue between him and the ship that's returning and the communications... It's a pretty good movie. Um, I mean, it's it's a thinker, so which means it's a little slow. <laughs> but you know, it was it like sounds like this movie from the seventies. I don't remember the name of it, but it was kind of the same type thing. Yeah. Well, there's there's a I lot of like waiting to die. Yeah, and there's a lot of like interesting sci-fi cyberpunk near future movies that are very very slow like uh i thought gattaca was a good movie but i know a lot of people thought it was garbage i, I very much enjoyed gattaca yeah. uh, i mean it wasn't it wasn't action but it was firmly cyberpunk i mean it was uh it was basically Harrison Bergeron taken to the next level. So, yeah, I enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, so I thought it was good. But I know some people did not. <clears throat> uh, yeah, so there's, again, not too much um, going on within the media. Now, granted, I haven't really done a full deep dive and, and no, <clears throat> normal research into following various links and news articles uh, about cyberpunk in the general media, but it is what it is. Like I said, I was had COVID last week, so I had other things on my mind. Um, as as you do, I. I watched, uh, I've started watching Alice in Borderlands, which is based on a manga. Uh, so far it's following the manga pretty close. It's not cyberpunk, but it's kind of cyberpunk adjacent. Are, are you watching the first season, or are you now are you watching the second season? Because I watched the first. First season. Yeah. Um, I'm a few episodes into it. It's, it, it follows the manga pretty well. It is about as dark and bleak as it was uh like i said i'm not really cyberpunk but it's 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 kind of theme adjacent right it is um but you could also so, so you haven't watched so you read the manga so you know who who's behind it all 
Oh yeah. I'm okay. Yeah. So, so basically, it's this powerful corp. Or am I thinking of something different? No, I'm thinking of Squid You're Games. You're thinking of something <laughs> different. You're thinking of Squid Games. Yeah. Which is kind very of the same. same. I know. That, that, that was the one. If you liked was... one, you'll probably like the other. Yeah. That was the kind of thing that I was I was watching. It was like, like Squid Games came out after, or I don't know. I don't know when they officially came out, but from, from a streaming point of view, it was like Allison... Borderlands, Squid Games, um, there was, I want to say there was an anime as well that kind of followed that whole thing, but it all boils down to, you know, coming from, like, Battle Royale, you know, that movie. Yeah, which still did it better than anything else, as far as I'm concerned. That was a messed up movie. <laughs> So, yeah, um, yeah. So from a media point of view, there, uh, there's not too much news. Uh, from a gaming point of view, we just got big news. The biggest news after at least ten year wait, we finally get Black Chrome from Altor. It Sorin. is. It is here. It is out. It is pretty. We're not going to say too much of it about it. To let everybody, you know, get their own copies. Uh, so we're not spoiling anything for anybody. Yeah, there, we uh, do plan on doing something in the coming future. Maybe next month or, or the following month. It all depends on our schedule. Because um, we have some interviews lined up uh, that we want to like get to. We were debating whether or not to talk about it tonight. But I think uh, we, we said we were going to do Euro Source And by... God damn it, we're going to do Eurosource. Get it Integrity. off. Integrity. <laughs> yeah, get get it off our uh, get it off our plate so we can move on to bigger and better uh, well, I wouldn't say better necessarily. Interesting. Different uh, topics like like Black Chrome. So, um, I got my digital copy. Uh, I started reading it. I haven't dived too much into it, so that's another reason I think we should wait. Because I would like to uh, really consume the heck out of it before uh, before we start discussing it. Yeah, but definitely kudos to uh, Jay Gray and James Hunt um, for getting this done <laughs> and out the door. Um, I'm sure it's been a long, arduous journey for them as things changed and various uh even the game has changed from when it was originally intended to come out to because i think red wasn't even wasn't necessarily fully fleshed out yeah it's just nice uh like supplements are coming out and that's a good thing keeps the keeps the franchise alive yeah so i think the I don't know if it's the next on the schedule, but I know Rogue's Weapon Cards, I think, was mentioned as, as something that was coming out. And, of course, this was from last year. Or, uh, and then you also have the Edge Runner 2077 expansion. Yeah, and the Storyteller Kit. Storyteller Kit. I didn't see that. Yeah, uh, 
they were uh, talking about it being developed on uh, Artel Sorian's blog a few weeks ago. Hmm. I need to take a look at that. Um, yeah, supposedly it'll give uh, give new game masters the tools they need to tell cyberpunk stories. Cool. course my money is going to be spent on that because i've always mm. been a firm supporter of our talsorian and everything they do um also i just got an update from the combat zone kickstarter so yeah they're talking about uh may june yeah well Did I read that right if all goes well. So, so what I read was that they sh are getting all the stuff shipped next month. And then the following month, when they get it, they're going to start doing the fulfillments. So April, May? April, the end of April at the best earliest time. And I, I, I should say that that's probably not going to be feasible so i think to your point <laughs> may june july uh we should start seeing stuff um, yeah i mean it's all regardless as long as it actually gets here and yeah. it looks like it's gonna i'm gonna be happy and that kickstarter kicked off two years ago a little over two years ago maybe Jesus, it's been that long. Yeah, good well, lord. It was right before COVID. <laughs> it was right before COVID. <laughs> Literally yeah. right before COVID. Um, and the same goes with uh, Cool Minis uh, Cyberpunk game, which I haven't seen any updates of recent from them. Yeah, I wasn't able to uh, afford to kickstart that, so I'm just out of the loop on that one completely. Got one maybe a couple weeks ago. Just saying, hey, we're all on track and everything's good. And not too much juiciness. Um, or at least we're ready to go. I think they've gotten all the graphics done. Um, oh, here's here's it. When was this? This was sent at the beginning of the month. So maybe we'll get be getting a another update but they said they approved all the resins and plastic production so I assume that means they're moving forward with production well that's good uh, so if that was at the beginning of the month that means probably May they're gonna finish with production put it in a bunch of containers ship it overseas uh, and it'll hit our shores probably July, I'm thinking. I'm like thinking July, August. So possibly right at the time of uh, Gen Con, which reminds me, I'm actually going to go to uh, Gen Con this year. Yeah, I'm jealous. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I haven't Gonna been meet there. peeps. Yeah, I haven't been to Gen Con since back when it was in Milwaukee, I think. 
2001-2002, I think is when I went. But yeah, me and a bunch well, of buddies. Uh, I mean, the whole Artal Saurian crew is supposed to be there this year, so... I hope so, too. <laughs> oh, which reminds me that uh, I think our August 2nd show... No, it's the Wednesday, so... I don't know if I'm going to be available. I might be in a car well, or flying. I mean, if you can't take a week off for Gen Con, yeah. what, what can you take a week off for? Well, well, well I'll see what I can do. Yeah, see, that, that's, Maybe, yeah. <laughs> that's that's the problem of like taking the taking it on the road is um, my machine is a hell of a lot more powerful than any of my laptops or, or tablets I have. So, not sure how well a, a, a streaming with you would go. <laughs> well, I may have you. I may send some stuff to you anyway, just to have you get some signatures. <laughs> Oh yeah, I should um, I should print out some of the um, combat zone goodies that it, they gave as STLs for you, so you can uh, add to your collection of miniatures. They're pretty. All right. So, any other news? Uh, there was the DLC, which was uh, helped contributed to Black Chrome. Uh, that yeah, did. they uh, apparently they had to release a version 1.1 of the PDF for Black Chrome because they, uh, I guess, they forgot to credit one of the writers. Yes, um, and there was also Black Chrome Plus, which gives um, individual files of like the maps and some of the images and whatnot tokens yeah and i liked how they did the the whole countdown to the release date now that yeah they, it was it was now that they cemented I mean, that release date as opposed to you know previous years it's like yeah it's coming it, it was a nice it was a nice change of pace from like the silence to you know weekly updates on hey this is coming here it here it here it's coming it's getting closer here's some more pictures it's all good it uh it was a very welcome way of handling that yep yeah so kudos to uh to Artel Sorian for uh that mm -hmm. and I think uh who is it Dice who did the videos and to help with that countdown i thought that was pretty nice that was a nice touch it uh, yeah. definitely helped push the excitement level up so are we ready to dive into the main subject of tonight i i believe we are uh so i know we said that it's going to be about Eurosource, Eurosource Plus, and possibly Rough Guide to the UK. Don't know if we're going to get to the Rough Guide to the UK. Um, and as for yeah, the, the base Eurosource, I'm going to have to um, kind of take a step back because it is one of the few source books I do not have. 
I mean, most of the stuff in the original Eurosource, it's kind of, it's mostly, a, most of it's just updated in Eurosource Plus. So if you've got Eurosource Plus, Eurosource itself really isn't necessary. Uh, unless you're a completist, there's nothing you're going to find in, unlike, say, Deep Space and Near Orbit, there's nothing you're going to find in this book that's or in 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 the original Eurosource that isn't either reprinted in Eurosource Plus or made obsolete. Right. So okay. We can just we can just glom over it really quick. We mentioned some of the highlights. Uh, different art, I assume. Different art. Um, Eurosource was a 2013 source book, so it's it's mostly done in that style of art. More illustration uh, than... Yeah. Yeah, simple illustrations or photographs. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't... There's no photographs that I'm aware of. Um, well, that was one of the styles, right? You had Solo Fortune and Rocker Boy that had photos that were kind of doctored up. Yeah, but they were the only two because they were done in the magazine style. Um, with Eurosource, it's uh, they probably could have done added some photographs and it would have been just fine. Um, but they just went with uh, with illustration. And the painted cover, of course. Um, let me get this. Sorry, uh, my PDF was freezing everything up. I had to close it and reopen it. I I really like the cover of Eurosource. It's uh, it's very not. It's not typical. Yep, and that it just shows a bunch of people like chilling out. Um, but it definitely gives you a glimpse of you know what to expect from a Eurosource feel. It's all very clean. It's all very. Uh, it's modern without like letting go of the past. You see the Eiffel Tower in the background and all that. It's. I like the cover. It's a it's a very competent painting. Um, by, uh, oh, what's this guy's name? Uh, Doug Anderson, who is, was a favorite of cyberpunk covers. Um, the book itself is written by Mark Galeotti. Galeotti? Uh, I'm not really sure. I don't know. And I actually you can um, see part of the original cover on Eurosearch Plus on the back cover. Yeah, yeah, they reprinted there. Um, the interior artists uh, are other than Mike Jackson. Uh, most of the others are uh, well. There's Lawrence Williams, Eric Etheridge, Dan Villalobos, and and Mike Jackson. Um, Mike's stuff is pretty easy to pick out of the rest. He's got a very distinctive style. Actually, all the artists in this book have a distinctive style, but his is the only one that I'm all like, well, that's him. Mm -hmm. He worked on so many other books. Uh, 
it's like I said, really, we can go, I could go through this book really quickly. Um, but a lot of it is, yeah, we, we can just updated in Eurosource plus or just kind of made obsolete by it. So if you're a completionist, get Eurosource. Um, yeah, it's not a very big book. It's not going to be very expensive. Hopefully. Uh, I don't know Um, about that. (laughs) A lot of the, uh, old cyberpunk books, the people who, uh, know their value set certain uh, certain things and granted if you can even find it on eBay there are some uh, some decent adventures in the back uh, you may want to check those out um, I don't I wouldn't say they're necessarily worth the cover price uh, for the rest of the book but they're good enough um, but yeah, let's just move on to Eurosource Plus, uh, because that's going to have all the relevant information for your Cyberpunk 2020 game, and it's it's presented better. It's honestly, like I said, uh, Eurosource, the original Eurosource, is like a tiny book. It's it's the size of Rocker Boy or Solo of Fortune, whereas Eurosource Plus is. It's not quite as big as Home of the Brave, but it's about the same size as Rough Guide to the Pacific Rim. Right. Yeah, so let's uh, let's get into uh, Eurosource Plus. So <clears throat> the main writers were uh, Jose Ramos, uh, Florian Flo Merckx, and Steve Gill. Illustrations were done by Daryl Elliott. He did all the illustrations? I guess so. Uh, layout, Looks like it. Layout was uh, Ben Wright, another big guy from uh, Altar Soriens. We'll be interviewing him next uh, next episode. Yes, we will. Uh, Harley Parents Studios did the cover. Um, back cover, of course, was Doug Anderson. Uh, cover design, Mark Schumer. Parente. That's, uh I don't know who Horley is, but... Parente is Paolo Parente. So. Yeah. Editors, of course, is Derek, who is, I think, the editor for 80% to 90% of all Altorsarian's books at the time. Indeed. Uh, as well as Janice Sellers, and a bunch of uh, special thanks to, I'm sure, other uh, contributors. Um, the great thing about like these source books and i don't know if we mentioned it with pack rim was that <clears throat> altar Sorian, or at least mike pondsmith specifically looked for people who were in those countries or in that continent right so if you look at pack rim there is a lot of japanese as well as chinese korean uh, asian writers and authors and here you can actually see there's also European authors when it comes to the source book. So you know you're getting uh, people who are in it and understand where things are going, at least in, in the country that they're Embedded are. in the culture, as it were. Right, so first chapter, of course, is Fortress Europe. Uh, this is kind of lays the whole how Europe is structured 
um, and any of your characters in your games who says, oh yeah, I go to Europe all the time, you need to read this chapter because if <laughs> there is there is some quite a bit of expense to get into Europe, especially if you want to become a yeah. citizen. And uh, traveling around inside Europe is expensive. Like everything in Europe is expensive. So, basically, this this chapter goes into how Europe has kind of closed its doors to the rest of the world. And really, if you're if you're thinking of like um, high level corporate world, sanitized cyberpunk. I think Europe, you're going to find that a lot more than in the Americas or the uh, Asia or any of that. Um, well, Asia outside of the major, like, well, outside of Japan, basically. Yeah. So basically this chapter is just goes into how restrictive it, the countries are. Um, and how they prevent it uh, the, the <clears throat> they not necessarily have a wall to Eastern Europe but <laughs> there is definitely uh, a lot more um, well there's there's a gate at least or a fence that makes sure no undesirables come into the country and those who do or those who try are going to be met, met with force It's a, it's a very have-have-not society uh, where it's, in the Americas of 2020, it's, there are obviously many different gradients of, you know, people who have something and people who don't. Uh, in Europe, it's like country by country. Like, these countries have stuff, these countries don't. That sounded really stupid to say out loud. But if you read the book, it becomes more obvious what I'm talking about. It does. Um, I think if you're from a gaming point of view, I think the, the best part of this is there is like lists of how much any type of entry into Europe costs. Like to become a citizen, it costs three quarters of a million euros. Uh, yeah. <laughs> to be... A permanent citizen is it or wait a quarter of a million sorry um, which no wait PRC is simply to buy is yet yeah, three-quarters of a million uh, and then it is it is it not is, cheap it is not so if you have any of your players try to pull that crap which one of my my players tried to like oh you know i have a brother who lives in europe so i'm going to go to europe and, and spend the rest of my days there try you know fleeing from the situation that happened i'm like okay that's fine um no <laughs> I, I don't care who your brother is he definitely does not have a quarter three quarters of a million euros in his bank account and a quarter yeah, you can get a uh 
a tourist visa that'll let you stay for like a month at the most and it costs 100 eb per week which which isn't bad necessarily but given given the average pay rates of beginning level cyberpunk characters yeah that's that's a pretty hefty chunk of change it is uh green cards are even more expensive they can go up to 10 weeks but they're 200 they're yeah they're 200 uh 200 a week so double the cost of the visa yeah uh coming to europe from the outside is is not cheap and doing it the illegal way is really no cheaper um At least not if there's any chance of you getting caught at all. So, Hopefully things will start working a little better. Again, apologize. I, I was foolish enough to read a bit of an article on how to improve performance with OBS doing streams. And, well, I took their advice. And the only way I can test whether or not it, I'm successful with those setting changes is to do it in life. And yeah. Hopefully, this is we need to figure out a way to test this stuff out. Well, uh, yeah. there's ways. I, I could create a, a Twitch account and um, no. test it there and do some hardcore configuring, but that would mean I'm actually, you know, kind of professional. And, and <laughs> you know, are, are we really professionals? No. Yeah, I didn't think so because I, I don't we see strive my to be at some point, but yeah. I'll I'll when I when I start seeing a paycheck, that's when I'll I'll know. Okay, I got to step up my game. <clears throat> but for now, we'll uh, we'll get into it. So so we discussed the first chapter uh, and how expensive and how hard it is to get into Europe. Um, the next chapter, who runs Europe? Uh, this chapter is pretty lengthy um, and it's very political. Uh, it gets into the details of how Europe is actually run. I mean, to the point where it gets into all the various commissions, uh, departments, sub-departments, yeah. Um, so, so there's a lot to take in and to a GM, uh, it's kind of too much fluff <laughs> for my taste. Uh, you know, I, I disagree. I actually think this, this is one of the most relevant parts of the book. Um, because this wasn't really touched on with the original Eurosource and all over the cyberpunk uh, line they talk about you know the EDF as being as becoming this kind of you know monolithic group of countries uh, they'll talk about individual countries but for the most part the EDF is this big conglomerate that you know works well and you need something like this to try and make sense of how those how those groups would actually interact with each other um how you get all these individual countries to coalesce and uh, really work towards one goal mm. while still maintaining enough autonomy within their own borders 
Um, yeah, this this I, I I like this chapter a lot. It's it's a it's a chunky read. Don't get me wrong, um, and it's not something that you're gonna want to read a bunch of times. But if you're running a if you're running a European campaign <laughs> or even a campaign where the EDF plays its own part or the EEC for that matter, uh, it's it's kind of nece- necessary. I guess so, but like you know, it's 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 about sixteen pages worth of like, and it breaks it down into every single commission. Um, there there's actually a a. Or, or chart of the whole uh, European community government structure um, and it goes into you know a few paragraphs for each of the various commissions um, there is some yep. highlighted text uh, on some of them to give you a little more background uh, and how it kind of would impact your campaign but I don't know I, I just I, I think mean, this is just too really... high level Right, for, for it really sets into concrete just how ridiculous the bureaucracy is, I suppose. Um, and all the uh, various agencies and groups stepping all over each other's toes. Yeah, again, I, I think this is one of one of the reasons why this isn't one of my favorite uh, source books, is because of. A lot of the the bloat, I would say. But then again, I work with some Europeans, and they definitely like their hierarchy and structure, and and dotting every T and I versus us Americans who like to uh, play loose with the rules, as it were. Yeah. I mean. Granted, the the thing I kind of, and again, I didn't care too much about the armies, but um, in the exterior commissions, uh, when it breaks down with the various regions um, and how the EU kind of interacts with those regions, um, I think that section is probably more important. (laughs) And I would like to sure. see that fleshed out a little more. Uh, Interpol, sure, I, I'd see Interpol being a very useful section. Uh, but like you know, the Interior Commission, uh, Finance, well, Finance Commission. If you're doing corporate, um, the Defense Commission, Technology Commission, Population Commission. Communication Commission. Well, granted, Communication Commission Food. is very small. Food Commission, Energy Commission. Now, granted, those are the smaller of the t- couple of sections, but um, yeah, they get like a paragraph or two a piece. Yeah, but like I said, it's just to illustrate mostly how uh, how ridiculously bureaucratic everything is. Right. Uh, so much paperwork has to be filed with everything. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> it is very much a con- the European Union is very much a committee based everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, comparing this to 
maybe maybe it's my American bi biases, um, right? Versus versus like Land of the Free, um, that I, I didn't care for this, and you know I, I should be more cultured and more responsive to to the various areas in which cyberpunk has grown. Um, But yeah, I suppose that, you know, Europe being a bigger major player of the cyberpunk world should get a, a bigger and better supplement than Land of the Free. Well, I mean, Land oh, of the Free is just America, Sorry. or yeah. just, just United States of America. Um, or yeah, Home of the Brave. It's just United States of America written by Americans for America. So they don't have to go over quite as much information. Whereas, you know, Eurosource, while written by Europeans, it's still written for Americans. And they uh, the the things that other <coughs> Europeans would take for granted kind of have to be spelled out for most Americans. True. But, I mean, even looking at, so. at Home of the Brave, you know, how they got into the various governments... Granted, Home of the Brave concentrated a lot on the military. But it is yeah. America, so it's understandable. You know, the country that spends the most money on their military would have a bigger section for that. But yeah, I, I again, I think this section with the commissions might have been reduced a little. Um, but who knows, right? I, you, again, I, I have a bit of a bias um, in my viewpoints, so maybe I, I should take a step back and think about that a little more. Couldn't hurt. No, can't hurt. So the next chapter is uh, the major powers, which starts off with the timeline and the breakdown of the timeline of Europe and how it became the superpower it became uh, and all the wonderful things it's doing now and influencing in the world. So that's kind of a, a good read to get the, the various timelines because it also helped uh, all the timelines in any of these cyberpunk books to me uh, is great for inspiration of subjects that you could delve into i absolutely love the timelines in the books and uh on mark cook's chrome page he's got days of future past yeah uh, canonical uh amalgamation of all the timelines and all the various supplements um in the time of 2020 of course uh but it's it's one of the most useful resource uh, resources for uh, world lore that's out there. So Mark Cook, good job. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, and also it looks like the stream is a little better. I don't see any buffering too much, but hopefully all of you are still here <laughs> listening to our gobbledygook. Uh, and going forward. So, 
Right, so after the timeline, we start getting into the breakdown of all the various countries. So first up is France. Um, interesting take on France. Uh, from a person looking in um, to this subject, it, it was... It's interesting how, I don't know if, if who the writer of this particular paragraph was, but they seem to think French is a little snooty, like us Americans do. I mean, I think I think most of the world think the French are a little bit snooty. Yeah. Well, um, in the overview, it's like the French are very proud. Mouthing off about France is likely to get you a face transplant. Yeah, um, there might be a little bit bit of bias going on with some of these entries, just a little bit. But uh, <laughs> it's uh, they're all fairly stereotypical views of, you know, the various European countries and and our projections from the '90s towards them in the future. Uh, some um, some are a little, a little bit more inventive than others, but they're all going to be fairly stereotypical future envisions. And France is, is no... France is kind of like the prime example of that. It's very... Very 90s views of France. Yep. Which is much better than early 2000s views of France, which in America was just our views of any other country pretty embarrassing. Yes. But. Well, I, I think it's weird because technically I, I can... <laughs> the various regions in America are pretty much various regions of like Europe, right? You have various different cultures uh, throughout the states, right? So, <clears throat> East Coast, yeah. West Coast are different. The South and the North are different, and various regions throughout the states. Um, the only difference between us and Europe is we all speak kind of the same language. The majority, kind of, yeah, kind of. <laughs> there kind is of. like in if you go to Canada, you get some French and. In America, you have uh, a large population of Spanish, um, but generally, most speak English. And granted, in Europe, I, I know for a fact that <laughs> the majority of the population speaks English as well, but they prefer their their native language. Um, I was I was more laughing about how ridiculously varied English is in the United States. <laughs> what are you talking about, y'all? <laughs> yes um, so the next country is uh, actually three countries that were combined into Benelux I don't know if that's how you pronounce it Benelux, Benelux. <laughs> well, actually, I think it is Benelux because it's, it's yeah, Luxembourg it's, yeah, Belgium, so and, Belgium uh, and Netherlands yeah. So I assume it's um, 
all the, you know, the combination of the two first letters, except for Luxembourg, which... Uh, it gets three because yeah. it's cool like that. It's got an X in the name, so you got to oh. include it. Luxembourg is... I forget if it's... Is it the... It's, it's high up there in, like, the richest nations of the world. It's a yeah, small no little nations, but well, it is... It's crazy amount of wealth for such a small little country. But then again, <clears throat> who knows how they got their money. Oh. So yeah, so it talks a little bit about that. Um, and, and it's odd because I don't think they all touch because I know the Netherlands. Now granted, my geography is shit because I have an American uh, education. Um... <laughs> But is I mean they, no. they touch. Yeah, I guess they do. Maybe well, I guess maybe my problem was I thought the Netherlands was on the other side of Denmark. Oh, yeah. That's the problem. Again, my geography sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought Netherlands was like north of Germany but closer to Poland. Nah. Or I confuse Netherlands with Denmark, which is another possibility because of my American education. Uh, showing through. <laughs> now, granted, you know, if I was in Europe, you know, it, it, kind of more important that I know the geography of of all around here. I mean, at least I know that, you know, New England is not a state because I'm actually in new england and we're few states up here but you go outside of new england and everyone's like oh yeah where are you from connecticut huh really where's that new england oh so you're from new england like no that's not a state. well it doesn't help that <laughs> most of the united states is only aware of new england as a whole because of the patriots yeah. oh they named a football team you couldn't your your states couldn't get their own team you gotta lump them all together like that huh well you have the boston red sox and yeah our states really yeah the the, the states in new england do yeah, not have baseball. a lot of sports yeah. <laughs> which is weird but granted new england is you know actually it's probably if combined all of new england i think it's as big as texas And the only reason um, for that is because of Maine. Maine is a humongous state that people often don't realize. I mean, on its own, it's not as big as, like, Texas or California, but it is a big state. This is one of the differences between Eurosource and Eurosource Plus is uh, Benelux doesn't even get... Like none mentioned. of the individual company, <laughs> countries that even make up Benelux really get mentioned. Right. Um, they're not big enough. Got it. So after Benelux comes uh, Germany. Of course, Germany is the powerhouse, uh, mainly because of EBM. Who I believe owns the majority of Hamburg. Yeah. 
so you're in Hamburg. There's a good chance you're an EBM so, uh, employee. So, um, again, all these, it's definitely a nice read um, if you want to base any of your stories or have your cyberpunk guys or, or team go to a Euro uh, state. Again, I, I think Germany is probably the most restrictive like the pinnacle of of like the euro solo settings mm. um like if you want to give your if you want to give your campaign that that euro feel like germany's where you want to be based out of it's it's got the wealth it's got some disparity uh it's got like diversity in terrain plus it's got the autobahn and who doesn't want to drive around on the autobahn and uh super futuristic sports car i mean it's it's the epitome of the euro solo experience or the euro the euro edge runner experience i should say because not everybody's a solo and they know how to throw a good uh oktoberfest party <laughs> yeah they definitely <laughs> do yeah so brush up on your rhymestein and uh Head off into Europe. It's uh, man, I really like the art for this book. Uh, so the next section. So th the previous section was, uh, I assume, the major players of the European Union. Um, which, when was this book written? Because was the European Union even? I mean, I'm sure it was thought of. But I don't know if it existed. I I know it was before the euro dollar existed. Yeah, nineteen ninety five. This came out because I remember when they started talking about the euro dollar becoming a thing. I was like, well, shit, that's we've had that in our game for years. <laughs> nineteen ninety three, huh? November 1st. Yeah, it it came out. It, yeah, it's it's been out for quite a while. Yeah, so four years after the collapse of the wall. Which probably was an impetus in putting out Eurosource Plus more than anything else uh, because the actual collapse of the wall change things so dramatically that they wanted to capitalize yep. expand. Um, so the next section talks about the South Europe, which, or they call it the South, but it's basically the Southern Europe, which includes uh, Spain, <coughs> Portugal, Italy, Greece, Turkey, um, and some African nations. I know there's been a lot of people at least on Reddit, um, and even in Discord, looking for material about Africa and and where is it at, at least in red. Uh, the problem was there was never really a major source book in 2020 around Africa. Well, not an official one anymore. Yeah, not, a, not an official one. There is uh, a fan-made uh, supplement that you can always look at. Um, granted, you know, 
It's from a uh, little author that you might not have known, and it's kind of hard to find. Um, I think it's somewhere on Data Fortress 2020, something about African conflicts. I don't know. Some, some weird site like yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll try to get the author on, on our stream one of these days. <laughs> But yeah, this is uh, one of but the... yeah, no uh, official material about Africa is is pretty sparse. Yeah, and you have to find it in books like this, right? Which will have nuggets through spread throughout the book, right? So it's you you had it in the uh, government structure. They talked a little bit about it uh, here. They talk a little bit about it as one of the uh, chapters. Um which is basically only a page. Uh, you can also find it at, in uh, Bart Moses' Guide to the Nets. There's actually a, a little more material there. I think that probably has the most material when it comes to Africa. Yeah. Uh, Euros, uh, not we're talking. Um, Deep Space had some material about Africa there, mostly. Not too about much. About the various space boards. Yeah. It, you know... Not too much. Just just, just a little bit. Yeah, little nuggets. Um, and granted, the High Rider Society... Or the High Rider community is mostly Afrocentric. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's one of the things that I've been trying to play up in my... Um, in my campaign for the the high riders because i had a care yeah i had one of my players like oh you know because i was talking about one of the tribes is like oh he went on to uh one of the ai uh art programs and generated a bunch of like pictures like oh it would look like that i'm like no they're, they're those people are too light-skinned it's like oh okay no problem <laughs> <laughs> so yeah um, but yeah, so the Southern Europe, these guys aren't that, uh, kind of like how it is today. The, the Southern Europe, uh, nations are not major players, nor do they have the kind of money that France, Germany have. So it's Well, no, I mean, Portugal, they... Their entire police force is Arasaka and their military. Other than what they push into the EDF, it's pretty minor. Right. And Spain's <laughs> in the in very similar boats. Like they don't. They're they're not the main main contributors <clears throat> to really much of what's going on. Uh, but they're each you know rich in their own culture and identity oh they're definitely rich in their culture i'm just saying like from from a european union and i think it's it's interesting that you know it kind of mirrors what it is today um yeah the they're european just kind of they are there and they're not they're not as affluent as uh as france and uh germany so um they also don't seem to have the ambition of France, Germany, and the UK. In, uh, they don't really feel like they need to 
go for much further beyond their borders. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah. So after that, we get into uh, New Central Europe, which covers the countries of <clears throat> Poland, uh, Czech Republic, S Slovakia, Hungary, Romania, Bulgaria, and the Splinters. I don't know if all those countries exist anymore. <laughs> um, they certainly don't exist as, as they do today. Yes. Again, Poland this was written in 93. Very true. Poland still exists. The countries are still there, but they don't take on the world stage as much, really. Poland, obviously, but yeah. like Bulgaria. I don't remember the last time I heard anything about Bulgaria. <clears throat> yeah, so again, a little dated. <laughs> Um, I mean, anybody playing Cyberpunk 2020 is going to have to deal with the fact that a lot of the information that was presented back then was from the a 1993 point of view. So, yeah, there's a lot of information here that's extreme. Yeah, because good. I don't even... I don't, I don't... Yeah, I definitely know that Russia... Had not broken up by then. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so if you're looking for well, Croatia, Serbia, Sl Slovenia. I mean, it's it's still also crazy what they did get right. So it, there's some of that. <laughs> um. And then after Central Europe, you get the margins, which include the UK, which they have a bit of subject, but there's uh, a few paragraphs on this. I think this was before the Rough Guide to the UK, which might have been some a response from some of the Brits writers, cyberpunk players. Who it wanted was. To, uh, and a lot of it's kind of contradictory. Get the facts straight on... Uh, on the UK and how they envision it, similar to what I when I was when we were talking about um, Home of the Brave and how the the subject of Connecticut and how deforested it is and uh, I don't know about that or or how yeah. we are well even today I mean I we just got snow this year so if global warming is a you know it's supposed to be in cyberpunk then yeah the, the the people from connecticut are not going to be deforesting too many too many of our trees to make warmth besides that we got coal. yeah plus i mean deforestation is is one thing but when you describe most of the rural country as just being abandoned like yeah the trees are going to come back yeah. They may not be the same life-affirming trees we're familiar with, but there will be vegetation. 
without anybody to cut it back and without the fires, like we know radiation doesn't prevent trees from growing. Yep. Um, <clears throat> the next section, of course, is the Nordic countries. So here you can find out uh, a little bit more of the uh, beautiful land. Scandinavian block. That are in the north. Um, and is that part of the same section? Oh, be, yeah, the marginal. So <clears throat> they also get into Russia. Uh, there's some good stuff here, but I think if you really want to get into uh, Russia, uh, I think Sol Solo Fortune 2 has a lot more. No, it was. So this book came did come after the breakup of Russia because you have the Ukraine, Belarus, Moldova. So yeah, it's uh, this is one of the one of the sections that are kind of prescient. Um, the Ukraine not really getting along or the Ukraine and Russia not really getting along is, is present here I guess it's really been present forever but um, yeah they talk about Chernobyl they talk about uh, Moldavia they it, yeah it doesn't get, it doesn't get a, a, a very large, and really, Eastern Europe, Northern Asia should have gotten its own, like, the Neo-Sov, there should have been a Neo-Sov source book, there really should have, because um, there's just, there's less information about, uh, like, the actual political and geographic climate of Eastern Europe than there is about Africa, if you can believe that. Yeah. Well, the other thing that <clears throat> I don't think they saw in the 90s, which I'm kind of surprised that, or, or they just never got an author, was, um, you know, how South Asia, right? You, India, um, Pakistan... Uh, in those countries uh, just have very little representation uh, within the world. Yeah, they were just kind of glommed over, which... And they're almost half the population of the world. Yeah, from... Especially from a modern standpoint, looking over how little information was released about those, those uh, regions... It's, even, it's almost a crime. Even back then, you know, India's population was a third of the world. And I don't know if it's just hard to imagine how big of a population Yeah, but if you'd asked me, if you'd asked me in the 90s how important, like, India would be to the tech sector today. True. I would have looked at you like you were crazy. Yeah. Um... Back in the 90s, India was still just seen as this kind of backwater, or back, I'm not going to say backwater, but this old world country where there's not a lot of 
modern innovation happens, whereas yep. today it's what it is. Um, it's 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 where <laughs> quite a bit of the India, modern innovation. Yeah. It, well, in a, India is an interesting country, right? Um, yeah. Because it does have some modernness, but it also well, has I mean, it's some, it's. It's, it's hugely in influential, and it's a global uh, technological powerhouse at this point. But it's they they still dress very traditionally. It's they still maintain like their caste society and all that. It's it, among that. It, there's other there's other <laughs> there's other aspects of India that are. Um, it's an interesting country, right? Because you have yeah. that really polarizing uh, influence that you have, you know, these very, well, you, you not only do you have polarizing from rich to well, you know, rich to poor, uh, and really the, the craziness that <laughs> that whole, um, aspect is but you also have that you know a lot yeah, of the tech I mean, the wealth stuff and poverty divide is yeah and you have a lot of that no... that tech stuff that's there but there's also the not tech stuff right the the analog um that that country has uh and you know I, i've worked with many a teams from india over the past 15 years of my career <laughs> um and I, you know it's the country has definitely grown but it's also doesn't grow in a way right because it still has that old philosophies of, of like you said the caste system um how it, it, it and, and again, the the middle class is just becoming a big, is still trying to become a, a bigger part of India, which is, is is hard, right? Because you have a very it's a very rigid caste. It's system a rigid and caste system, hard. and there's also very there's a lot of corruption. Uh, well, yeah, in, in the top segment of of the society right and that top segment is not is not gonna allow um i mean it's one of the oldest or... civilizations on the planet and they are so many of those when you have a situation like that where the civilization is that old and their traditions are that ingrained it's it's hard to move past them mm. uh even even when they're moving into the future, they they still cling to the to some of the old ways that just aren't gonna aren't gonna do them any favors uh, yeah. in a global society in the long run. Yeah. Um, True. But I mean, it's it's like that with any old old civilization. Uh, it's like that with a lot of the Europeans, like. The old animosities die hard. The uh, prejudices are still there. 
Um, you've got old wealth that just continues to, you know, vomit power and influence. Yeah. Making it. <laughs> this book is definitely about <laughs> power and influence. Power and influence. <coughs> so, uh, and again, this chapter kind of wraps up with um, uh, Northwest Africa. So, Morocco, Algiers, and Tunisia. Which they combined into two pages. Uh, not too much there. <laughs> um, really? Yeah, it's like a page and a half. Mm. And, ha and like, a good quarter of that is taken up by a blurb of timeline. Yep. The next chapter, which is Class and Euro style, I think, is a little more relevant to a game master or the role of a, a, a referee on how you want to portray the scene, right? Uh, it gets into the various class societies. Who are the nobility, the golden childs, right? So there's, there's this segment of the, of the population who kind of are just completely wealthy and have really no care in the world but uh, being you know being the, the ultra rich <coughs> yeah they're uh, it, it, it's funny because it kind of describes influencers before yeah. influencers were ever a thing like if influencers were suddenly that's the true. ruling class that that's the golden kids like new money uh, that doesn't know what they're doing with it and just really wants to party all the time. That is true. <coughs> I never thought of it that way. Um, they also talk about the Eurocrats, which are basically the, the new nobility, which is uh, the government body of, of the European Union. Um, and, and they are kind of the subservience of the golden children. Uh, and then they get into a bunch of the other prominent groups, like uh, hooligans, sports fan. One group which I thought was very interesting at the time, right? This is back in 93, the Androgynes. Androgynes, yeah. Androgynes, yeah. Um, and, and Once again, ahead of their time. Right. And the first appearance of using different pronouns right so i've at that time i've never heard of that and this book kind of introduced me to hey there's there's going to be different different pronouns for people who you know have now i remember early early on that these pronouns actually tried to be a thing but it yeah. just didn't go anywhere like See and hear for instead of his and her. Yeah. Or he and she. Or they and them. Yeah. Which I, I, I know a lot of English majors who understand why people want to try to find a new pronoun, but they also have a hard time with the the and them. It's like, no, the English is, that's a plural. Except it's not, it never, mm. and it hasn't hasn't been for centuries. Yeah, like 
they and them has been used for singular true for a long long time well moving on we got the goths and the vlads so uh, the New Templars, music fans, prize parties, and stay-ins, who are basically uh, hermits of the new culture. So uh, we get into the style, which I'm surprised they only put in two bar three paragraphs about the style. Yeah, seeing as how in every other book, they, they don't shut up about Euro style. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Getting this little information about it is, is kind of disappointing. True. Uh, and then the next section is a little less than a page of cyberware and new cyberware, uh, specifically with bioengineering. Um, this is where you can actually raise some stats, like your reflex and body and movement and trackiness naturally. Physical um, stats only. Yeah. <clears throat> so this is more bioware than uh, actual cyberware. So, which is the European ethos? I mean, it that's chrome is ugly. Yeah, meat is uh, <clears throat> meat is so very limited, or uh, metal is so very limited. Uh, meat is is the way to go in Europe. Plus, you can get through uh, metal detectors without too much of an issue. Yeah, and you know, you don't want uh, you don't get a lot of bus drivers going cyber psycho and like, eating their eating the kids in Europe. That's just they got normal psychos for that. Yeah, <coughs> it moves on to nationalism. Um, which, again, a little paragraph about it, a little blurb, and uh, that they are very deeply rooted in the, their uh, culture <laughs> and their nations. And then the next section gives a little bit of a view of the everyday life of the Europeans, uh, you know, making sure that there is always mentions the the security that you always have to be watching out for big brother and you should always have your id even i think um in some instances today you still have kind of a, a very presence uh well it depends on the country but you have a definite presence that they are watching i think more in germany and central europe than than kind of like France or, or Spain, but it is a lot different than uh, America is used to, I guess. Yeah, I mean, they Europe was the were the first people to throw down with uh, like just constant camera surveillance and CCTV everywhere. Uh, they were very like Europe's very security conscious um which is again one of the things that makes uh euro solos and american solos so different is uh euro solos are constantly being under are constantly aware of how scrutinized they are um 
And that's why they up for Bioware versus <laughs> Cyber. Yeah, Bioware, they don't wear armor. Um, their weapons are all highly concealable. Uh, whereas, you know, in America, it's a lot easier to get away with, you know, walk around with a, with a gun or uh, incorporating armor into your into your clothing to some degree without gathering gaining too much attention uh, most of like the state's borders in in america even with the free states the borders are going to be much more lax than they are going from one european country to another but by that same token there's not the level of violence in most of these european countries um some of them are are granted true shitholes with with tons of violence i'm not going to name any names of which ones they are in the 2020 universe because that's one of the joys of reading the book but uh like public transportation um is a very big part of it because there's not the danger that there is in most of like the united states uh nor is there the stigma against it. Like everybody, everybody takes the train. Everybody rides a trolley. Everybody gets a cab. Um, most people like walk in their walk places in their hometowns. Yeah, and it talks um, a little bit about that with the the technology gap, right? That they're still based in the past. Um, yeah, and even mentions that the the technology of the European corporations are actually first distributed to other countries before they're actually brought into Europe. I mean, I think the main defining theme of the technology in in the Eurosource books is that they try to integrate the technology with the traditions of the past and then instead of like just mowing like leveling everything and building parking lots, they build up on the older structures mm. and uh, yeah, that's not see not to say you don't see the ultra modern stuff, but they try to integrate it with whatever else is going on in the region. Right. So again, this chapter really gets into kind of the life of, of Europe. Uh, it gives a little bit about the education system. Uh, big section on the entertainment that's available. <laughs> Um, a little bit about the religion, uh, the economy, uh, and um, unemployment versus employed, who you'd be working for, uh, which also gets into the actual costs of living in Europe, and it's a hell of a lot more expensive than, uh, than night cities prices, so... Yeah, so when, once you start paying to get into Europe, it's actually going to be even more expensive to live there. Yeah. Well, um, but the good thing is they give kibble for free. <laughs> <laughs> Echinus TPK uh, brings up that uh, rapers and swords were a thing and considered a fashion statement. And yeah, you know, that's actually... Uh, a part of my game that in most places in the world, in, uh, including most of Europe and Asia, and parts of parts of the U.S. for that matter, uh, 
swords themselves are a fashion statement. Uh, you can get away with um, walking around with a sword. Um, I just thought I'd interject with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, very much so. Especially uh, especially among the upper crust, where um, the elites of society, you know, that's they'll be seen carrying around, like, a, a family sword or... Uh, a sword ordained with house crests and things of that nature. Yeah. Um, it's been like that since I... Yeah. Yeah, and speaking of your point about transportation, they do go into uh, transportation within the Union <coughs> between yeah. the various countries as well as uh, how it's controlled. Um, and then the following section and kind of last section of this chapter is uh, the law. And I, I'm surprised that they put the EEC, some of the stuff, as, uh, as the death penalty. Which, well, death or long-term pr prison. I thought most European countries have gotten rid of the death penalty. Ah. Uh. Again, 1993. True. Um, and I think, you know, it, it's not that far of a stretch to uh, look at it from the 1993 situation. Uh, hell, even today, with the amount, with, when looking at the Cyberpunk 2020 timeline, uh, with the amount of, you know, conflict and plague and all these world-shattering events, um, it's it's not hard to see that the death penalty would make a comeback in most of Europe, uh, especially given the traditional... Uh, I'm not going to say joy that many European countries had towards the death penalty, but... Uh, It, it definitely has been a prevalent part of many of many aspects of their history. Mm. Like, and it was kind of a public affair for quite some time. Yeah. Like it's hard to it's hard to romanticize French culture for 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 example without bringing up the French Revolution and, you know, Madame Guillotine and all that. I think the last guillotine was back in the 60s or 70s? Like, 70s. Yeah. <laughs> Which, to me, baffles my mind that, wait a minute, they're still using the guillotine in the 70s? Actually, I think they tried to bring it back recently. I don't know if I'd it had be surprised. Success, yeah. Um, yeah, I also get the, it, it, the whole feeling on law in Eurosource Plus really comes across as kind of rushed. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> but yeah, that's rushed and simplified. It, it takes up like a page. And, uh, Leaves plenty of room for GM inter interpretation. 
which isn't isn't necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, and the final chapter is uh, the various roles. So basically, how each role would be portrayed within Europe. Uh, I like this section just because of the art. Um, the art is for each of the roles is just great. I, I really like like the uh, rocker boy. Uh, there was the cop was a little interesting. But uh, this section again just uh, a page for each role in which it gives a, a description of how that role you know how they operate yep. yeah um what makes the european version of different yep. from the american and it also gets into two additional roles that are from uh different source books the runners and spies uh which doesn't really does it list you know from when gravity falls uh so actually took <laughs> some non-canon supplement and uh, brought it in here and then yeah and there's also a blurb I mean, about the the life path and how you would change it um, my life path generator on my sites actually takes into account these uh, changes so awesome there is a you can select the, your euro source as a source for your generation so it'll get generated for you uh i mean about the runners and spies i mean it's weird that they it's always been weird to me that there hasn't been something more to cover this but the uh, original roles in cyberpunk were fairly in some ways, they're they cover everything they need to cover, but in others, they just didn't. And runners and like runners are basically smugglers, and that could have been assumed into the nomad culture better. Hmm. Uh, and with you know with red, it is um, spies. Spies were a different one to incorporate, even though I. I there's a great many campaigns that really just turned into spy campaign. Um, just as, as characters got higher and higher in level and got more difficult jobs, they became, you know, a lot of times it becomes like an international espionage thing as opposed to just go here and blow shit up. Well, I, I think with 2020, you know, the base book said, and, and it gave you an example of like, Hey, if these roles don't cover everything, here's how you would create a new one, right? Exactly. Come up with ten skills. Uh, one of them is going to be a special ability. The other skills, you know, pick randomly that makes sense. And boom, bada boom, bada bing, you got a new class, uh, and so you can flesh out the special ability as needed. Because special abilities were so vague, right? And you didn't have to come up with too many game mechanics around them. Uh, yeah. Yeah, which is why you ended up with a lot of 
really weird home-brewed roles and special abilities that back in the day, back in the days of GeoCities and whatnot, were popping up everywhere. And some of them I looked at and were like, how the hell would you actually incorporate that? <laughs> like special abilities with the like, most vague abstract definitions imaginable, which really weren't that too far off of some of the core roles, but yeah. Exactly. Uh, so we got... Uh, we're not getting into the rough guide to the UK, I'm afraid. No, we'll have to no, save the uh, UK for a, for a later episode, I'm afraid. Yeah. Um, however, on the last page of Eurosource Plus, we have the uh, first ad for The, the Ravengers by Stephen Billius. You've got to mention it. It's there. It is there. Oh, it is part bite of the boy history. and bite girls. Still the worst names I've ever heard for any characters ever. Eh, I've encountered a few. I've created a few. I mean, they just sound like something from a Saturday morning cartoon. But yeah, I had high hopes. Such high hopes when I saw that saw that ad i wanted the book so badly i don't i'd be hard pressed to think of a more disappointing afternoon finally getting that book and reading it from cover to cover yeah 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 once again do not recommend anyone mm, I would recommend it if you're a completionist I mean I, I do own both of them I am a completionist but man unless you just really want to my I would not recommend reading because nothing in any of them makes it into anywhere else like there's no part of it that's they are strictly non-canon, non-entities that, outside of each other, never get referenced again. Well, are they canon or non-canon? I mean, they're officially Cyberpunk 2020, but, yeah, they don't get mentioned anywhere, anytime, anything about them. Well, the ever, characters, so. but the book is canon. Just because I mean, you have a bunch don't of... get mentioned. They don't get referenced. Uh, none of the new corporations that appear in the books get referenced. None of the uh, NPCs or yeah, nothing. Like nothing from these books gets referenced outside of the books. Well, it does go into a little bit about how New York City is, which is kind of I don't know, a little fantastical. <clears throat> yeah, it's completely ignored everywhere else. It's it's just it's I Yeah. Uh, it is what it is. Other than being a completionist, there is no need to buy these books. You're not gonna get any backstory on anything. Um I'm getting off on a rant here, but yeah. Uh so in conclusion. <laughs> uh source again, not one of my favorites, but it could well work within your game. Um, definitely check it out. Uh, it has a lot of fluff, a lot of the culture. 
the Bioware. Some GMs would see it as game breaking, uh, similar to how they view uh, Pac Rim and the introduction to martial arts. Just because of. I am not one of those GMs. I embrace that shit. I embrace it too. Uh, But, you know, having the ability to raise your reflex to 12, uh, you know, without any hardwired cybernetics, you know, some GMs would frown on. Um, but overall, I, I think it's definitely a book to have um, if you are running European games. And yeah, if if you like fluff, if you like the lore of the world, it's a good book to have. Um, if you're coming from a 2077 or even a red aspect, there's probably not as much that's going to be of interest to you, uh, simply because. <coughs> Like red has, uh, red has not expanded enough to cover, you know, outside of the United States all that much yet. Uh, but from a, as a 2020 fan, if you're ever gonna have European characters or have Europe be a part of your game in any way, it's it's a good book. It's yep. I like it. I like lore. I like fluff. Um, so as much of that as you can throw at me, that. Uh, the happier I'll be. Yep. All right. So I guess that ends this session. So next time we have Benjamin Wright, a.k.a. Adam Smasher, <laughs> who will be joining us. <laughs> We're going to ride on that for a while. Thanks, Ross, because we had no idea. Yeah. Hopefully we'll get more uh, details on some of the old characters and the iconic characters. Um Get yeah. some more fluff on on the background, but uh, Benjamin Wright, he's worked on quite a few books. I believe at least a dozen of the twenty twenty books, either as a layout designer, uh, contributor. I mean, he's one of the most prolific contributors to the Cyberpunk yeah. twenty twenty uh, uh, editor and, and Cyber Generation. I mean, just yeah, uh, he is definitely one of my top writers for the group because he basically has two of the, my top three books which is uh, he was an author of Wildside and he also was a contributor to Listen Up You Primitive Screwheads which to me are, are agreed on both the top I mean, three books to get in my opinion yeah uh, good night Dubai uh, Lippa say what uh, Duba Lippa said, "Great stream, guys. Good night." Oh, Duba Lippa. So I assume. Yeah. Good night to you, Duba. Taking off. And um, and off to too. everyone else. <laughs> I am Wisdom Triple Zero Zero. I run Data Fortress Twenty Twenty and have since nineteen ninety six. Um, which you might you might find something there to you that you'll like for your game. Uh, like an African, African source choose. book. Like an African source book. Uh, I can be found on <clears throat> I can be found on Facebook at both the Data Fortress 2020 groups group and the Cyberpunk 2020 group. I can be found uh, lurking around on Reddit, or you can get a hold of me just through my regular email. Um, you can also uh, occasionally catch me on Discord. That's that's more a Will's thing. Um, 
Go ahead, Will. Yeah, so uh, I'm Cyber Smiley, a.k.a. Will. (laughs) I am not on Facebook, nor am I on Twitter. Um, Sorry, but I find those those social media a bit of garbage. Uh, Anyways, you definitely lurk on Reddit, uh, so you can see some of my comments there. Kind of love the discussions that are happening there. I'm on quite a few of the Discord uh, servers, so if you do an at CyberSmiley, good chance you're probably pinging me. Um, I also have my own Discord uh, in support of my site, which is CyberSmiley.net, where I have a bunch of utilities for both Cyberpunk 2020 and Cyberpunk Red. Uh, Mine is not more fluff and content that uh, Data Fortress 2020 is, but Hopefully, uh, most of my utilities, I, I try to, uh, I try to do the function while uh, Wisdom does the uh, content. So you can check me out there. You do, uh, you make the best toys, that's for uh, sure. I, I try. So you can also check us out here uh, every first and third Wednesday of the month, uh, where we stream live on. Cyber Nations Uncensored's uh, Twitch channel. Thank you, Rob, for hosting us yet again. Uh, check out CyberNationUncensored.com. Um, he also has a, a Patreon to help support the channel. So uh, if you're on YouTube or uh, I, I forget what pod cat or what pod uh, cast. Service we we that Cybernation uses, but Cybernation uncensored. Yeah, so if you're listening to us from there, you know, like, subscribe, blah blah blah, uh, help support Cybernation uncensored going forward. And uh, I guess that's about it. So I guess we're uh, out of here. All right, guys. See you in two weeks. Thank you for joining us. Thanks a lot, everyone. Bye. <laughs>